Hello, hello, and welcome back to another week of Kent and the Steering Team. As always, you are joined by Philip, Bianca, and myself, Drew. Unfortunately, Kent couldn't be here this week. He's actually trying to vacate Philip's old locker, number 171, in honor of it being episode 171 this week. Anyway, on with the show. How are we, team? We are well. Yep, good as can be. Good to hear. Very good to hear. Now, this week, we are back to recording over the internet, um, as I am with the family for the next couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. However, we'll see what happens. We may still be able to wrangle some um, recordings together over the next few weeks as well. Recording sessions. Yeah, we'll see what we can... um, We'll see what we can come up with. Anyway, uh, this week we've got we've got a couple of little things. We've we want to talk a bit about urbanisation. We were just talking about it before we hit record, and it's been something we've talked on and off about, I guess, for a little while now. Uh, we've also got a article from the Hollywood Reporter to dissect, which counts down the twenty favourite films of the decade. And if we get time to it, we'll briefly touch upon. Nintendo's theme park, which is on its way to opening in February, should there be no um, none of the no bid. more COVID delays. And I also have one question for you. And in fact, I think we should dive into this question right now. This question is: Yes, <clears throat> do either of you remember this television show on Channel Ten? It was more about the build-up and the advertising campaign for it. I'm not talking about Yasmin's wedding, which was changed from being. Who was getting married before it became Yasmin? I can't remember, but anyway. Who the fuck is Yasmin? No, do you remember the TV show Yasmin was getting, reading, uh, getting married where there was actually one episode of the show, but there was about six months of build-up to it? We just kept seeing more and more like advertising called Yasmin's Getting Married. And there were billboards Vaguely? everywhere, and then suddenly, finally the show launched. And there was one episode of it, and then it was pulled off there because it was crap. But um, the funny thing is, the funny thing was, for, for about five of the six months, it was advertised as like, jazz, as like, um... Jessica's getting married or something like that, something random, and then suddenly Jessica met somebody, so they had to quickly bring in a new person, so then it, they just put a line through it and said, Yasmin's getting married, and then one episode happened and it got pulled off air. No, the show I'm talking about had and probably equally as long run up to being on air, but it was a show, it was like a late night talk show, but with a CGI character. Yes. Do you remember that? This sounds this sounds quite familiar. I can I vaguely remember it and I vaguely remember my dad saying that this is just a load of shit. And it was, and it went for about five episodes and then it does it disappeared. But a CGI. It's an American CGI character interviewing celebrities. Yes. I, Are you on the hunt for it now? I was just thinking about it just like about twenty minutes ago. I, I vaguely recall this, but if I, yeah, as you've said, if I recall correctly, it was gone as fast as it mm-hmm. turned up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Correct. It did. It was. Disappeared. Yeah. How, Vanished. Why would they... Think it's a good idea? Okay, hold on. I think I found it. Mm-hmm. David Tench tonight. Yeah. That's it. Oh my god, looking back, he looks like a weird cross between Vladimir and Putin. That's not what he looked like. No. He had a big yellow, like, yellow hair. Did they change what he looked like for different markets? Was it this dude? Yeah, I found it. Yeah, I remember this. (coughs) Excuse me. That's so weird. Bless you. Yeah. Very weird. A short lived. A short lived television talk show created for Network 10. Mm hmm. Tench is a partial anagram created from the name Channel 10. Yep. That's so weird. It went from August to December of 2006, and it was created by Andrew Denton. Really? Of course. Wow. Future Prime Minister Julia Gillard was on there. Wow, that's so weird. I feel like that's just a letdown by um, uh, Andrew Denton. Jimmy Barnes, Meatloaf, Tony Collette, Nelly Furtado, Johnny Knoxville. They were all guests on the show. Wow. Anyway. Sorry, that was a diversion. Sorry, back to the tangents. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. Now, before we dive into everything else, I've got to ask you guys, 
have you continued watching The Mandalorian after we um, after we kickstarted into it the other day? No, but I am on nerd Twitter, so I got all the spoilers because it just blew up oh, everywhere. So no, I'm really upset no, about I, that, but yeah. I'm not going to spoil it for film. No, no, I haven't. I've been able to avoid um, spoilers on it, but essentially, I am. I'm I'm really proud of I'm you s- for avoiding it. Thank you. I'm still in the first season. Um, what's good is yeah, Drew, you were there to experience it. So was Bianca. When we were watching it, my parents were just in the background, and then I think by about four minutes into the first episode that we were watching, which was the first episode, the pilot episode, I guess. They were watching it with us. Um, they were watching it with us, and by the next one, Dad had pulled the chair up alongside the sofa and then was eagerly watching it, and and also asked the question, you know, how far into the season is this? And we said, no, it's the first episode. He said, oh, good, I don't have to catch up. Like, excellent, let's just keep going. So, and so Both your parents got excited. Yeah, and... and and I don't know if it's criticism or if it's a compliment. I think it's a bit of both. I think it's I think it's a compliment. They keep referring it to because um, the reason I haven't progressed with it is I haven't been home most evenings, and thankfully because they were there to watch it with me at the time or with us at the time, it's continued yeah. as a tradition where the three of us are watching it together. So that's yeah. Sweet. So we're continuing to watch through it, and we'll keep pressing on with it. Um, I just need to make time Aww. to be there to watch it with them, but um. They keep referring it uh, or, or, or comparing it to like old westerns and stuff like that, and saying it's very kind of reminiscent of that sort it of thing. It is though, mm. and so, but I, I quite really like that. Is. I think it's really good. So, yeah, um, we're enjoying it well, though, I'm, and we'll keep cracking on with it. I'm very glad to hear it, and I'm even more thankful that at least one of you has not had it spoiled for you. I don't follow enough Star Wars um, things or have Twitter to be able to. I have Twitter, yeah, but I don't follow no, Twitter. I'm not not on Twitter, so that's I don't fair. I. I had gotten home on Friday evening rather late from um, driving back down the coast mm-hmm. and my housemate called me the second I walked through the door just to ask if I had watched it yet, mm. to which I had gone, no, I have not. And he went, right, call me the second you finish watching it. So I knew something was in store. I was not sure what. Was this, but is this I the understood end of the, the, the second season or is it not there yet? It's the season finale, yeah. Okay. That was the season finale. And and I, by the time I had completed the episode, I understood the, the gravity of, of, of it and why he had wanted me to call him. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's it was a, a pretty little big too late deal. in the evening. Yeah. Nothing but more than that. But it was good. Um, yeah, it, it was, yeah. So... I'm very excited that you are now on the track of watching through, and how many, I will how many be episodes are there very in the second excited. season and the first season? Eight, eight in each. Okay, I'm on the seventh episode for season one. Then there we go. We'll we'll keep oh, pushing beautiful. on. Um, yeah. Can I just say that that I I um I messaged Bianca about this TV show that I've been watching, this British show that I've been watching. I know this is going on another tangent, um, but That's I think okay. it deserves a, a shout out on the show. Oh, genuinely. Yeah. This this brilliant show called Taskmaster. Which I'm just so addicted to, like completely addicted to. I watched the first episode of series ten, series ten, before I got on the plane um, in England, and um, was like, "Oh, this show's actually brilliant and perfect in every way." So essentially, the premise is um, Greg Davies, who we all know um, fondly as oh. Mr. Gilbert from uh, The Inbetweeners, um, is the host yes. of the show um, alongside his sidekick. Um, uh, Alex Horde, who is the creator and writer of the show, by the way. Um, and essentially, the show is five comedians um, carry out a series of tasks over ten weeks. Each week there is an episode winner, and then there's an overall series winner with points tallied from every episode, you know, deciding who's the overall winner. Um, and basically they have to do ridiculous tasks, whether it is something like dropping a water balloon from a height as high as possible without it bursting to things like you have five months to spend 20 pounds in the most ridiculous way. Um, It could be something like, I'm trying to think of a really good one. Um, You have five minutes to meet somebody and then you have half an hour to write a song about them and whoever has the best song wins. My favorite um, one so far has been um, you have to make an upside down film, and that's the only prompt you get. You have to make an upside down film, and then you have to do whatever you can to make whatever whatever yeah. you think the definition of an upside down film is. That's what you do. Another one ridiculous one is make the biggest object that you can disappear, and you have twenty minutes to do it. Oh, that was very good too. Um, and then another challenge, a good example of so basically the rules are what's written down. 
If it's not written down, it's not a rule. You can do anything you want as long as you do what, you know, comply with the rules that are written down. A good example of that is uh, one of the challenges was um, you have to paint a portrait of um, Greg Davies. Um, and it's on a massive red mat, which is probably about um, two meters across, two, three meters across in circumference. Is it circumference? All the way across? Circumference is yeah. only with circles. Yeah, it's a circle. It's a circle yeah, mat. Yeah. Okay, from one side yeah. of the circle to the other, it's about three meters across, roughly. Sorry, no, circumference is the outside. Okay, mm. what's the diameter? Diameter. Okay, the diameter of the, of the mat was about three meters, so it's about a meter and a half to be able to reach across to be able to paint this portrait. Mm. And what was written down was that the only things that are allowed to touch the mat are a paintbrush, the canvas itself, or the tripod it was on, and or the easel it was on, whatever it's called, um, and the paint. So nothing else is allowed to touch the, the mat at all. Um... One person accidentally knocked the canvas over while reaching with a stick to paint with a paintbrush taped to the end of the stick. So then they were able to just walk around to the other side and just paint upside down, basically a portrait of, of Greg Davies. Um, the other person just painted from a distance with the paintbrush taped to the stick. One person misread the clue and was like, aha, so I'm not allowed to touch it. So then he put a blanket down over the mat, walked onto it and painted. However, the rule said that only the paintbrush the easel and the paint could touch the mats, therefore he was disqualified. But and he then, doesn't know. But he, he do, just yeah, continues. They on. don't stop you until they're reviewing it at the in you know while they're all together and we're we're all watching it together. And Greg Davies comments on it basically because he's the one that um, gives out the points. Um, so he did all that work for absolutely nothing, just wasted his time basically. Anyway, the last two comedians on the show very cleverly read the rules properly, got the paintbrush out, and rolled the mat up with the paintbrush touching it only, and then walked right up to the front of the paint, uh, the, the, the canvas and painted from in front as normal because they read the rules properly and the only thing that could touch the mat was the paintbrush. So they rolled it up. So that's what, that's the, the show is really clever and it's hilarious. It's brilliant. It's really funny. Um, and it's got that really cool British humour where everyone tells each other off, but it's funny. Exactly. Um, and so I, I showed um, my good friend Joey um, the show and he loves it. I've showed my parents it and they are absolutely hooked. Um, I also messaged Bianca and said, hey, you should watch this show. And she's since shown it to um, our friends Carmen and Audrey who've been on the show many times. Um, and they love it too, apparently as well. They absolutely love it. Highly so, recommend. Yeah. So it's a big hit. Drew, I'm telling you to watch it and I'm telling every one of our listeners to go and watch the show. I, I figured. <laughs> yes, do it. It's well, hilarious. I absolutely love Craig Davies. So I will, without a doubt, I will give that a go. Um, Philip, mm -hmm. you will be very pleased to know that I may have gotten fatherly to watch impractical jokers last <gasps> night did you really tell me do tell tell me the details tell me the goss because obviously audience if you don't know impractical jokers is one of my favorite television shows of all time it is such a heartwarmingly <laughs> funny it before yeah i watched a clip of it before with bianca it's such a heartwarmingly funny show yep. four best friends who still make each other laugh it's like a um a candid camera hidden camera show <laughs> but the joke isn't on the public which i hate about those sorts of cam uh, hidden camera prank shows the audience isn't the joke. Mm. The joke is themselves. If they're, you know, they have to say stuff because they've got earpieces in. If they don't want to say it, they don't. If they say it, they look foolish themselves. It's not the audience that looks foolish. So I really appreciate the show for that reason. Do tell them. So we we just needed to chuck something on on the TV late last night, and I I said right, why don't we give this a go? This is Philip's favorite television show, mm -hmm. and I, I gave the basic premise, and Dad went okay. Then put on dad goes in. So it's Philip's favorite show. All right, let's, let's do this. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think it's season three that Netflix kicks off with. I think they've got three and four at the moment. They used to have one, two, um, three and four. They've only got three and four now. Jesus. Yeah. But even then the, the seasons, they're, they're titled a little bit differently or something. Yeah. I don't know. They've, they've rejigged the seasons. Anyway, first episode that we put on with the first sketch is them putting the pencils on people in the grocery <laughs> store. Yes. That and the balloon challenge in grocery stores, my favorite challenges. It was such a great way to kick it off. Mm -hmm. And next minute, dad's just chuckling away through a few episodes yes. with me. Yes. Fatherly. Brilliant. 
His I think we Lee. called it. Um, I think we called it at the um, at the end of Mer getting pinyarded <laughs> by the by the the um, brother-in-law. I think. Yep. Or, or someone like that. Something like that. Yeah. Brilliant. Hilarious. Ah. I'm so I follow all of them on Twitter, and they're genuinely funny guys. They are hilarious. Also, Joe Gatto yeah. is weirdly friends with the Jonas Brothers, which I just find weird, but Joe, also hilarious. Joe Gatto is also incredibly um, generous with his time and also his life to pets and animals. So he always takes in lots of rescue dogs. Aww. He always names his rescue dogs oh, after um, after Italian desserts. Um, yeah, but he's got he's got a lot of dogs. He used to only have one for a long time, but now he's got I think like six dogs. Wow! He calls them ghetto oh, pups. Wow. He has a book that's um, all the proceeds go to charity. Ghetto pups is just photos of all these dogs he's had. He's he he speaks to a lot of really random people on Twitter. Yeah, he's and they're all friends. Because like, Joe's one of the genuinely nice. like enjoy. Joe's such a sweetheart. Q's the um, comic book lover. Absolutely love it. He does a podcast yeah. basically about comic book. Tell him Steve Dave. Um, he loves comic books. Um, Sal's a little bit of a comic book lover as well, but also a movie buff. And then Murr is actually the reason the show is on air because he is a, a producer. In fact, he was the executive producer. His producing company that he was the vice president of um, produces the show, North, North South Productions, I think it is. Well, Q's the reason yeah. why I found the rest of them on Twitter because he does follow the same comic book. Mm-hmm. artists that I do um, he also really likes Batman mm-hmm. and we like I have a lot of mutual sh- things with him like we both follow all the same people mm. he has a which Superman is- tattoo the Superman tattoo logoed on his arm so is my dad really yeah but um no then he popped up on my Twitter mm. like that and then I'm like oh I know him because Phil makes me watch Impractical Jokers yep it's so, not sure I really like <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, it, I hope but yes. We all watch it for ourselves now. <laughs> yeah, I do sometimes just watch it when I'm not with you now. Mm. So It's yeah. something to do. But I remember when we were in... I put in, it on in the living room all the time. Mm. When we were in New York, I really wanted to watch Law & Order SVU, the new episodes live, and you wanted to watch Impractical Jokers, the new episodes live. And so, you comp- so you compromised <laughs> and watched the Jokers. Exactly, you compromised and watched Impractical Jokers. <laughs> no, we watched both. <laughs> One after another. Oh, okay, that was good. Yeah, okay, I couldn't remember that. No, we did. That's right. I do remember that. Yes. Remember SVU's finished and yeah. the Impractical Jokers yep, started. Yeah, yep. that was such a joyful kind of day. I think we must have, that was one of the nights we had Ruby Rose up. One of the nights I that we had so. it. Because we what, were they both on True TV? Or? No, 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 no. One was on NBC and the other one was on True, True TV. TV. But no. they just happened to be one after another, <laughs> and we had gotten like really Thursday good pizza, nights. and it was a really fun night. Um. Yes, Aww. but no, yeah, Ruby Rose of Pizza in New York City, Jesus Christ, the best thing ever. Um, but no, let's get back to that list, Drew, that list of... Yeah, we've diverted a lot. We have. Let's get to that top 20 list, shall we? We have, but it's been an enjoyable diversion so far. Could say it's a divergent. Oh, just like that film, but it's not on this list. Because that was a I'm bad sorry, movie. What, 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 what movie? I, I don't acknowledge that. See, Sarah likes existing. it, but apparently they cancelled the second... The, aren't they doing the last one in like two parts and the second half of it was cancelled? Yeah, they weren't supposed to do it in two parts. Mm. Um, and then they decided to do it in two parts. And then because the first half got such bad flack, they decided to make the second half a TV series and all of the actors were like, no, we're not doing that. Yeah, um, apparently one of the main actors wanted to quit acting because it was such a terrible job. Pretty much. I think that was um, Theo James. Yeah. Oh. But, like, it was... No, what happened was, like, with that... With, oh, we're diverting again. But with that movie, <laughs> all they literally had to do was follow the book series because the book series were genuinely mm. good. But they didn't. They made this weird, like, B-plot that had nothing to do with any of the plots in the movies just so that they could extend the trilogy into a fourth movie. So they added all of this extra stuff, and I'm like... It's so pointless. I was watching it, and I'm like, this makes no sense. None of this happened. (laughs) And I think... I I actually don't think I've seen the third one yet because the second one went so off-kilter. I was just like, no, no, I'm good. But the book series is good, and I highly recommend it. Except for the like, okay. Except for the last, the, there's like a three point five. I didn't like in three point five. That wasn't enjoyable. Anyway, well, sorry. 
Hunger Hunger Games was a good book series. The the other book series that was out at the same roughly the same time, The Hunger Games, that's a good one, except for the ending. Everything else about it's great. Well, they were trying to pull off the same as The Hunger Games. Yes, basically. exactly. How The Hunger Games did part three and four. Mm-hmm. Part sorry, they did the third movie in part three and four. Two parts. I well, think you know that I mean. the Hunger Games. I think that the I love the fact that it's adapted from a first person story to being a third person thing and seeing so much more depth to the world. That's the way you do it. That's where you flush, flush, flesh something out a little bit more, is by doing it like that, changing the 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 tense, not the tense, the, the perspective. The perspective. I think that's where they screwed up in the Divergent series because they kept it from Trissa's point of view the entire time in the first movie, which meant there was less that they could mm. put into the second movie because the second movie's the second book's quite short. Mm. So that's why they added this weird B plot, and then it just made no sense. But if they had just fleshed it out like The Hunger Games, it mm. would have been fine. Again, seeing in The Hunger Games, seeing the whole t- um, television production side of it and everything like that is so good. There's so much more to it because it's mm. interesting. But in saying that, that's why you think the last movie falls flat. Because... No, I think the last one doesn't fall flat. It's only the last ten minutes that fall flat because suddenly... So much happened so quickly, and it's like, well, what the fuck was any of that? And suddenly, the whole entire mood and and view of the entire story suddenly changes in the last ten minutes. But that's because they that's the writing the book, it. though. Not not just the writing the book, mm. but they changed the mo- the movies up until I think the fourth movie. Mm. You still see a lot of what's going on outside of Katniss's world, mm. but in the fourth movie, if you watch it, you only ever see Katniss's perspective. Mm. You don't see anyone else's. I wonder. Yeah, if it's barreling its way to the end. That I wonder film. though if it's if it had something to do with the fact that Philip Seymour Hoffman. It probably did died. have something yep. to do with that because yeah. he he was the representative of at that point what was going on with everyone else. Yeah. And it then when he the wasn't there, the they rest. were yeah. When he wasn't there, it was like he was the game maker. Mm. So if he wasn't being the game, and most of the stuff that they showed from the other perspectives is the game maker stuff. We actually need to do it a full episode about Hunger Games because it's such an amazing movie series and such an amazing book series. I would happily do a marathon. Mar- I'd rather love to set a day aside to just watching the films. I would 100% get food, do that. Get I food, that. we'll write well, notes, and let's watch it. Yeah. Well, let's do that. We'll do a deep dive into the Hunger Games because they are a great series to analyze. And we'll also do a deep dive. Uh, also, now I've watched the prequel. I watched yeah. the prequel. I've read the prequel now. Read. And yeah. the prequel is such a good series, such a good book in the fact that Suzanne Collins mm. helped with the movie mm. with all the stuff that happens in the background. But she didn't fully help with it. Like, she just told them. Yep, this is what's happening. And then the writers fleshed it out on screen. And then the actors gave it character. And um, who plays Snow again? Um, uh, um, Donald, Donald Sutherland. Yeah, so she was so enamored by Donald Sutherland's performance that she wrote this prequel about Snow. And it, like, fills in so many blanks. But she's she's been really smart and she wrote it based off her book but with influence from the movie so then you can read this book and then go watch the hunger games movie and be like yep i understand i think that the hunger games without getting too much of the hunger the hunger games is probably the best example i can think of from screen to film yeah i agree because they work together and i don't mean i mean i think that lord of the rings does a brilliant job but i think the lord of the rings focuses too much on battle as well compared to what book the books to film? are a book to film yeah. whereas lord of the rings i think focuses too much on epic battles whereas Lord of the Rings which I've, I can say I've never read um, I don't think it probably does focus on that, on it as much as what they do in the films despite the fact that we know that Tolkien was writing it in amongst being in the middle of a war and so no doubt some of this kind of influenced that but I don't think it goes into it as much as what we see on screen because obviously we know that battles they sell money. do but it's more like a battle plan he's written it as. Yeah well, well the Lord of the Rings I think that um but also, there's there's not the relationship there because obviously it was written so much you know longer before it ever went on screen. Whereas with this, we've now had sequel books, follow up books to essentially the film versions of novels. And so there's you know I like yeah. I appreciate that the fact that there is the author has kind of taken on board some of the work by other people. Whereas I think that the Harry Potter ones mm. change probably a little bit too much and probably viewable as two separate mediums. 
there's the film series yeah. and the book series. They're not really yeah. one in the same. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and and so I think that Divergence, I guess, is a bad, bad example then. Um, but The Hunger Games seems to be a really good example of it. Yeah, no, Hunger Games is one of the best book to films I've ever... Because the the film actually made me appreciate mm. the book a lot more. Yeah, it complements the book yeah. rather than... Not in a bad way. Yeah. Not in saying that the film is bad, but, like, when I went back and read the book later, and mm. because I know Suzanne Collins had a hand in the background of what was happening in Pan Am, mm. it just... When I read the book again, I was just like, so that's how it happened. Because, like... The, the, like for example there's a fire scene the fire scene that mm. happens in the movie that happens in the book and like when the first time I read it I was like that's weird like just a fire started and then I watched the movie again and I'm like no 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 there's game makers mm. they're actually controlling it and really good <coughs> sorry yeah. we just went on another divergent huh? thanks Based for divergent on, yeah okay that's back it. to movies sorry guys <laughs> no no don't don't be sorry um I find all of that really interesting, mm. and uh, as you are very aware, let's let's put this. Of my love of all of this. Let's put this down, um, though, Drew, to the to our um, future series deep dives into movies, films, books, television shows. I know movies and films are one and the same, but anyway, you know what I mean. Because um, we have to do our deep dive into Game of Thrones. We also have, our, have we, to do our upcoming top ten of the Killers songs, but you know. We have so much coming up. I, I like that we're never shy of content. No, exactly. Except, except for when we completely forget about what we're talking about that week and then we suddenly go, oh, what are we going to talk about this week? And then we haven't put enough effort into researching <laughs> things for the deep dive, so therefore we can't use them as an example for backup content. That's why I was, that's why I was chucking articles in all week for us to be like, oh, it's true. here's something. Here's because something. somebody um, hasn't finished watching The Queen's Gambit, which we're going to talk about. I... Okay, okay, so after I got off the phone to you guys just before, I went ahead and finished watching episode four. Well, you're almost there, Drew. I'm, I'm almost there. Um, I've got to make one point before we close that topic, mm-hmm. um, because you're talking about the best book-to-film adaptations, and the single greatest one that I have ever seen is not actually a series. It is a single book that got adapted to film, and that was Gone Girl, because I read the book and saw oh, the film quite shortly gross. after, and there was one paragraph of dialogue in the mm-hmm. book that was left out of the film. Everything yeah. else was there verbatim, but done in such a good way that I, it, it feels like a natural transition between one and the other. It, it, mm. I, I love it. When, when people ask me, should I read the book or see the film, I tell them either. I, Whatever medium you prefer. I mean, I know this is again we're keeping on going, but um, I can't watch the Hunger uh, not the Hunger I can't watch um Gone Girl seriously because of the pure fact the very first time I watched it was in cinema in Greece with um, my dad's partner Dimitra, who is a lovely lady and I absolutely love her. She's <laughs> hilarious yep. and beautiful and amazing, but in Greece, in Athens, they have the flip-down seats. I can't even oh, say for it seriously. Sake, I remember this story. Oh, they have Jesus. the flip-down seats. And um, for anyone who has not watched Gone Girl, this is a massive spoiler, but there is a very pivotal scene in Gone Girl where uh, the wife, whose name I've forgotten... Um, Amy? Pardon? Amy? Is it Amy? Amazing Amy. Yeah, amazing Amy. Where Amy kills Neil Patrick Harris's character in a very brutal... She she's having sex with him and then she kills him and then she makes it out like she rapes herself with a champagne bottle. Very brutal, horrible scene, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But at the, the point at which she's about to stab Neil Patrick Harris, Dimitra's chair, the flip-down chair, breaks. And, <laughs> and she just goes smack down like... like <laughs> it was just like she sat on the ground and she just like and it clunks and it and it's like the music gets loud and everything in the cinema thing and I just see her fall next to me and I'm like in shock from this scene and also trying not to laugh too loud but then I couldn't stop laughing so everyone in the cinema can hear me laughing my head off at this murder scene 
but no, and no one's noticed that Limith is down. So, and then I try and help her up because I'm like, shit, she's fallen. But she's so, like, absolutely fixated on the screen because, again, it's such a good scene, but, like, horrifying. Her hands were gripping, her hands were, like, somewhat above her head, gripping the handle of the seats, the armrests. And she's just staring transfixed and she's slapping me away, going, don't worry about it, it's fine, we'll fix it later. And she just sat there for the rest of the movie. (laughs) And I can't watch it. I I cannot watch Gone Girl without thinking about it and just laughing my head because it was so funny. (laughs) Like so poorly done. It's such a Bianca thing to happen. Uh, I'm now just picturing you trying to read that page of the book and <laughs> no, I I, I genuinely can't. Like it's just it makes me giggle, and it's it's a murder scene, and it's a brutal murder, Very brutal. and like, and yeah. I just Shocking find it scene. hilarious because the chair broke. Jesus Christ. Um. So yes, podcast okay, lovers and okay. podcast friends do do stay tuned for eventually our deep dives into many things. Um, but no, this article that we've got for you, we are getting there. This article that we have for us is the top 20 favorite films of the decade. Now the top 10, now the, the people that have, have judged this or voted on this, um, or ranked this is by 3,500 indie industry professionals, um, in brackets here, the people who actually made them. Um, and so this is a Hollywood reporter exclusive survey. So we're going to give you the, 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 the bottom 20. Um, quickly, and there may be some surprises, maybe not, but um, we're going to give you some top, some quick ones. The top, uh, the, the bottom twenty, uh, bottom ten. Jesus Christ, Philip. And then we'll get on to our um, the top ten list itself. So, in twentieth place is the King's Speech. Nineteen is Call Me by Your Name, which I've never seen. Number eighteen was was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Haven't seen that. Seventeen was Wonder Woman. Jesus Christ, everyone had a bit of a off <laughs> moment there. Sixteen was yep. The Hunger Games. Speaking of, there you go. Um, 15 was Bohemian Rhapsody. 14 was Hidden Figures. That was a very good movie. 13 was Mad Max Fury Road. Number 12 was The Social Network, which came out in 2010, so therefore I guess just scraped into the the, um, Mm -hmm. top 20. Birdman was number 11. I've still not seen Birdman, and I really want to. I'll bring the Blu-ray over. Okay, we'll do that. And then number 10 was Bridesmaids. So that was number 10. And Bridesmaids, I think, is an excellent movie, and I can see why it's there. It is hilarious. One of the best comedies of the decade. I agree. It absolutely... I'm very happy it's scraped into the 10. Mm -hmm. Um, Grant me 30 seconds to rip apart Mm -hmm. that first 10, though. Sure. First of all, The King's Speech, which won Best Picture that year and robbed The Social Network, or even Toy Story 3. Either one could have taken Toy Story Best Picture. Sure, it? You know what's funny, though? I've only ever seen one scene from The King's Speech, and I thought there was just a short film with that one scene in it. I didn't realize there was an entire spe- <laughs> uh, film to go with that um, one scene. I would recommend it. It is a brilliant film. I absolutely loved it, but I still love those the other two films a lot more and thought they were more deserving. Mm-hmm. Uh, Call Me By Your Name I've Never Watched. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I would argue, should have been in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Wonder Woman does not even belong in the top 50, so mm-hmm. I Don't get have, it, have a lot of strong feeling on that. The Hunger Games had quite an impact over the decade, so I'm, I'm happy that it's in the 20, mm-hmm. but I think it could have possibly made it to 10. Bohemian Rhapsody is highly underrated, but at the same time, it was so troubled that I'm impressed it even made it into the top 20. I've, hold on. There's um, some really weird scene, like really weird filming and direction in Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, yeah. It's because two different directors are making it because Brian Singer um, walked off halfway through production That's and so managed weird. to retain his director's credit, which is just... Stupid. What just quickly? Um, what would have happened if it had been Sasha Baron Cohen? If it had been um, Sasha Baron, they would have. If Sasha had made the movie, it would have dived into Freddie's darker side, uh, which is what he wanted to do because he wanted to be able to portray all aspects of Freddie and not just give the you know the candy mm-hmm. version. You know, I still think we should see a Sasha Baron Cohen Freddie Mercury film. I, I agree, but he, but he he had disagreements with the band, and the band actually have all control over any sort of. Um, I think that's a shame to not see the real. Yeah, they and they just chose not to show it. That's their prerogative, whether we agree with it or not. Mm-hmm. A whole different thing. Hidden Figures. I need to watch that. Never seen Such it. Such a good need movie. Need to watch it though. 
it looks brilliant. Mad Max Fury Road should be in the top five. I'm just my opinion. I, I, I think, that, think well, it thing is, is one of the greatest things ever made. The thing I love about it is the, the just the total lack of CGI, which I think that most films should go mm-hmm. back to. Yep. Yeah. I, we I need to do another completely. episode about that because I have opinions yep. about CGI. Social Network, which is yep. in number twelve. Look, I need. I've only seen that once, um, and I thought it was really good. But I also think that wasn't it Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. Yep. He is one of the most irritating actors on the planet because he seems to be exactly like what he is portraying here as um, um, dickhead, arrogant and dickhead. Dickhead guy. What's his I've, name? Facebook guy. Zuck. Zuckerberg. Um, Mark Zuckerberg. He I've, seems to I've be watched... just as arrogant as him, and I'm not a big fan of him. I I wasn't either, but I've watched some interviews with him, and and he really comes across quite differently than that. So I, he comes across equal. You know, like, no, he comes across exactly as arrogantly and rudely. Oh. I've watched some stuff with him where, where he doesn't and, and I'm a little bit surprised because I genuinely, I was like you, I thought the same thing of mm. him. And then I started seeing some other interviews with him and I went, oh, okay, maybe you're not I so think, bad. I think the other thing is if he had done other movies before that where he'd been known for him, where he didn't yeah. play such an arrogant person. Well, such a not just an arrogant mm. person, but such a Asperger's-y sort of person. Yeah. Yeah, but um, as a movie, The Social Network, I think, should have been in the top ten. Mm. I, I really love it. I, I think it's a fantastic film. I watch it at least once or twice a year. Um, once. I really want to watch it again, though, because it keeps getting mentioned in pop culture more and more recently. Like, it's making, like, a second... It's, it's like, a, like a second wind. <laughs> it does, yeah. Um, well, and I think Birdman. it's because Birdman of all the stuff is... that's going on with Zuckerberg yeah, now. True. But, yeah. Anyway, continue. Sorry. But no, that's all right. Um, Birdman's a, a really well-made movie, and it's I will happily shot. sit and watch it. Is with it you a guys. genuine one-shot compared to what, say, twenty nineteen, a twenty seventy seven, nineteen seventy? What is it? Nineteen nineteen seventeen. Nineteen seventeen, which isn't a genuine one-shotter. Uh, no, it play, it does the same as nineteen seventeen. It plays a couple of very clever trick shots in there. Okay, but it it's worth it. What, what's it is a one-shotter? one of. Shot the whole movie is shot film. as one continuous take. Oh, ri- what? Wait, what? Birdman and nineteen seventy yeah. are two of the most recent examples of one shotters. Yeah, the camera never cuts. Yeah, for the whole movie, so there's no scene. Oh, so change. it's like it's done done like a play. Yeah, kind of thing. So, like, let's yep. say there's a conversation and going. Birdman the camera stays. feels like a play. Okay, that's good to know about Birdman. I didn't know about that, but yeah. So basically, the camera will like have yeah. to pan between people in conversation because there yeah. is only one yep. shot. Continuous. Oh yep. wow! But yep. outstanding performance from Michael Keaton. It could be his best work in the last twenty years. Um, all right, that brings us into the top ten. Bridesmaids. 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 How good is Bridesmaids? It's a classic. It is. I think I, I said it's one of the best comedies of the decade. I think it's one of the best comedies oh, for a long ever. time. Yeah, that yeah. was. I could. I can sit and watch it any day of the week. Mm. Actually, oh, that's true God. for me too. I genuinely love Bridesmaids. I could watch it whenever. Mm. Uh, number nine is uh, Argo. I really like. I've Argo. never seen Argo. I, I thought that was fantastic. That's another one. We'll have to. Is that sit the one that's the, the um um? I thought it had something to do with like the Olympics or something like that, didn't it? No, no, it has to do with. No, the, that's Munich. Okay. Was it smuggling people out of Iraq or Iran. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Under the guise of it being a movie shoot. Yeah. So I I watched the first twenty minutes of Argo and then fell asleep. As I do. <laughs> and then interestingly, for number eight is um, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1, which is probably the favourite Harry Potter film for most Harry Potter book lovers. And arguably the yeah. least favourite for Harry Potter film lovers. In terms of if you're a fan yeah. of the book, you I mean, if you're a fan of the book, therefore you're a book lover. If you're a fan of just the movies and you haven't read the book, like myself, um, therefore it's one of my but least favourite because like- literally yeah. fuck all happens in it. They walk around... It's a slower journey than all of the Lord of the Rings extended cuts. They literally yeah, go nowhere and nothing happens for the entire movie. Look, for for the book lovers, it's the first time that we'd sat down in the cinema and seen almost what the exactly baton. what happens in the book. Yeah. Exactly, but that's that's why and, I'm saying that for book lovers it's the favourite film. For film lovers, it's not. But no, that's why actually, I'm yeah. even I'm a book lover and I still love Prisoner of Azkaban. It's still one of my favorite. Prisoner yeah, of Azkaban, Azkaban is my yeah. favorite film of the Harry Potter series. As what's well, my favorite book and favorite film, and and I thought that was still the best adaptation they did. Yeah, but 
Except for the random yeah, I times when Hermione calls him Ronald. Uh, it happened in the books a lot when she was younger, or in the first three books no, but, she does. But that, in the but... previous two films, she'd never said it, and then suddenly he was only called Ronald. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, sometimes you talk about movies, and there's these things that I've never noticed, and then you say it, and it's like that thing from How I Met Your Mother where they're like the glass crack, or the, is it when the glass breaks or whatever? When the glass breaks over their head when they realise. Yeah. When, yeah. when, when in How I Met Your Mother, there's mm. this recurring gag when they realise something that they can't mm. take back, the glass breaks. Mm-hmm. Like they do a bre- glass breaking yeah. sound. Literally, you do that to me with films all the time. You did that to me with Black Panther. What now you Black d- Panther? When you're like, if if Black Panther never happened, it would ne- nothing in the MCU would have changed. Correct. And because they already mentioned Wakanda in um, Civil War, so there was no reason to go back there because literally nothing changed. They basically started and ended in exactly the same spot. There was no point of that film whatsoever. So it is the definition of pointless film, other than and wiping out another one. Other than wiping out an entire storyline, like the main villain of Black Panther, for example, and wiping him out the first like twenty minutes of the film, and therefore having some other villain, which was equally mm-hmm. more unimportant and therefore mm-hmm. less point, uh, more pointless. Therefore, you end up at exactly the same spot with one less villain for the main, main overarching story um, that you're trying to tell. So basically, it was the definition of pointless film. But hey, guys, look it's out. Waste. Look out. It makes it in this list at some point. We haven't mentioned it yet. So there you go. There's, there's a little bit of um, cultural appropriation for you or, or trying to get people involved. Um, <laughs> trust me, that's literally right, why it's seven. on this list. Number seven, A Star is Born. Haven't watched it. I really liked now, it, this and, and I like it sitting in here. This isn't one of the previous two iterations. This is the most re- recent iteration mm-hmm. of the same yep. film that's been made twice before, yep. with exactly the same story in every way, besides the main song. From a from a technique, like a filmmaking technique perspective, mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper nails his directing debut, and it's so clear that he has been studying um, under... Clint Eastwood and Clint's been training him as his protege, like as far as directing goes. I appreciate it's that. All I there. Clint Eastwood's a brilliant director. He he is, and Bradley Cooper is as well. He thinks like a director would, and his performance is outstanding in the film as well. But I loved how they crafted it and how they could take a story that yes, it's been done so many times. But he still brought it into the now really well. I also appreciate that he got good people on board for it in terms of cast, in terms of crew, even um, the band, his backing band in the film is the group that wrote the songs with him and Gaga for the film, which was, I think it was one of Willie Nelson's son's it's his band and he wrote the songs with the two of them. It, it's just, it, there is so much to appreciate about the, all the technical work that went into it. Personally, I love the film and I know that some people love it and some people don't, but I appreciate it on, on a much bigger level because of what went into it. So I absolutely think it should sit on this list. And um, if you think about the cultural impact of it over the last 10 years, yeah, makes sense. La La Land sits at number six. Now, there's a very interesting comment there where it's been... Um, uh, d- d- um, it was... Um, for 145 seconds, the best picture um, at the Oscars in 2017. <clears throat> when Warren Beatty wrote it, read out the wrong name. How did that happen? Don't they need to put down the winner's name? So what he read... He, because it would have had the names of the nominees on there. Mm. And I think in bold, it's the, the winner is written in bold. Don't they say it in his ear or he has a no, second envelope? No, no, no. Didn't, didn't the cue not work or something? So he guessed it? Is that what? I, I don't even remember now. I, 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 I genuinely thought... That the cue didn't work and someone from offside, I think someone from offstage said La La Land. And so he just assumed it was La La Land, but there was, because it came up on the cue, I thought, or it wasn't in the envelope or something. I don't remember what happened, but then they ran the actual envelope off, they ran the actual actual envelope on from offstage 
Then he opened the envelope while the La La Land people were on stage and read it. No, no, there's a mistake. There's a mistake. It's it's Moonlight. You, you won Best Picture. Remember that? Yeah. But, do you know, I just think it's sad because that just caused so much disdain for La La Land. Um, La La Land, I have not seen it. I don't have any plans to see it ever I haven't seen it in either. my life. I think I rate it in the same level as Lame is, as in it's pretty lame. Um, <laughs> moving on to number five, Avengers Endgame. So good. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no. I'm I, happy. I, mean, I don't think it's my favorite um, Marvel movie by a long way. I don't think it's my favorite, but I think that it tied up so many plots perfectly that I was just happy with it. Yeah. I I also like that it didn't feel like just one big battle for a whole movie. Like, there, there was... Um, there were actions, there were consequences. Mm. Um I liked seeing the team working together at the complex before they took on the time travel. Mm-hmm. Like there, there were parts in there that were just really, really interesting. I also appreciated seeing the, you know, essentially the fact that we were five years down the line of everyone just disappearing. So then suddenly we yeah. were at a point where they've lost. The world's lost. And the fact- yeah. The, the fact that they were prepared to make big calls in that movie as well, that they were prepared to... Um, to kill him at the beginning and then do the time jump forward mm-hmm. and then to like they, they understood the consequences of their actions and played it out mm-hmm. very well over the course of the film number four then inception i would vote this is probably movie of the decade for me oh it's up there for me i'm really happy it's on this list mm. it, uh, it's it's one of the most perfect films to me yeah yeah, I, I agree. I'm But so is number very, one, so I am happy. I am happy with number one. But I think that the films that come next yeah, so this I. should be number two, I think Inception should be number two. Yeah, yeah, and I'm a little surprised Interstellar didn't make the top twenty, mm. but whatever. Me too. Number um, three is a movie that shouldn't be there in the top fifty or any list ever, besides the li- uh, list for most pointless films. Black Panther. <laughs> Look if it Black Panther social... goes in at number three, then bloody Captain Marvel should have sat up in there somewhere as well okay. by that logic. So here is, um, this is now what Chad, Chadwick Boseman said. So um, rest his soul, um, mm. basically. So yeah, no, that is very sad that he did die. But um, I never thought I would see a studio say, yeah, we're going to put the money behind this movie with a mostly black cast. So I totally respect the social change or the respect it deserves or garnered for what it did from that standpoint that i totally understand but i don't think this film deserves any praise because it was a shit movie if it was a good movie in fact there are better movies that had all black cast um that deserved higher praise and that got higher praise um Mm. i don't think this movie at all is a good representation of the black community or what they can do because it's shit and because it's got a crap storyline and it's pointless so therefore it's, not even that. it's just that it's not original it's not We've original it. and it's again shit because it's shit it's not a good representation so honestly if i then if i was trying to find a way to represent my um my heritage or anything like that i wouldn't turn and be like black panther fuck yeah look at that i'd be like Mm. Now ignore that. Maybe look at something like 12 Years a Slave or, you know, something yes. like that. I wouldn't look to Black Panther for that because it's not that. Black Panther is a action movie a, with a shit storyline that is pointless yeah. and shouldn't have been made the way it was because clearly it had one agenda and that was to have an all-black cast in it, essentially, and it didn't even do that. Um, and that's it. They clearly put more time into trying to work out a way to... Um, basically get more races into film than to actually come up with something clever or interesting because it was crap. And I think that it's a real disrespect to the black community that this film is as pointless as it was because it basically feels like they went, you know what, Um, let's not risk it with something that's really critical or that has a lot riding on it like, Mm. I don't know, Civil War was. Captain America Civil War, for example. Let's not have as much writing on it. Let's have a film that starts and finishes in exactly the same point so that if it's a flop and no one likes it, no one goes to see it, doesn't matter because literally fuck all counts or matters because it's so pointless 
So I think this film's actually a bit disrespectful, and the fact people look past it or all that is really disappointing because this film is total trash. But anyway, it's number three, so therefore this list is completely null and void because <laughs> this film's here. Number two, 12 Years a Slave. There you go. There's a good film for a bit of cultural appropriation. Yeah. Yeah, perfectly suitable at number two. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why number yeah. three is Black Panther because 12 Years a Slave is on there. So why the hell is Black Panther on there? Because it doesn't achieve anything. Are you noticing... Are you noticing as you scroll through it that the top three all have something in common? Yes, I do. And I hope that that's not why this is the top three, because number one genuinely deserves to be number one. Number two genuinely deserves to be in the top three. Number three genuinely deserves to be nowhere near this list. (laughs) But anyway, number one, Get Out. Oh, so good. What a movie. And you know what? Um, I don't often watch movies with my parents anymore. We tend to just, you know stick to the traditional films at Christmas time, for example, um, as yep. films that we watch, or I'll try and show them a film or something like that. Get Out was one of those mm. films that I showed them. I haven't seen uh, Get Out yet. What the oh. fuck? I don't like horror movies as it is. This isn't a horror movie. Oh. Well, everyone keeps let's wa- I w- Let's okay. watch it together. Let's let's watch it together. So we'll order food on the night that we have our Hunger Games thing. We'll watch it. No, the night before we yep. do the Hunger Games thing, we'll watch this movie. Okay. Um... Yep. This movie, I remember my dad Uh-oh. when the movie finished. He's not always quite. He's not always particularly vocal about like opinions on films and stuff like that. He, I mean, he's great to talk to about that because when when you get him talking about the films and everything like that, it's great to talk to him about it because you know he mm. loves. You know, he's the sort of guy that will sit there and watch all the credits, and not only out of respect for it, um, the people that created the film, but also because it's interesting to see all the things that were done and the roles that were needed and 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 used and things like that. But. Um, yeah. He loves the CGI. In fact, he had to watch. I think. I think it may have been Inception several times because the first time he only watched the visual and completely missed the storyline. He just paid attention to what was physically happening on screen, and I appreciate that. I appreciate mm. the fact that he paid so much attention to it. With Get Out, as soon as Get Out finished, he pointed at the TV and said, "Now that's a movie." And there you go. I think that tells me all I need to know about Get Out is that it is absolutely the perfect movie. Okay, that's I'll fantastic. Watch it. Mm. And it deserves number one. I totally respect that. Yeah, do you know, I, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Do you know what movie, like, I was just trying to think of the movie name that we were talking about before. Um, Moonlight was should be on that list. I really, really enjoyed Moonlight. I reckon it may not be on there because of the Moonlight La La Land fiasco. Probably. Because um, Hollywood doesn't appreciate when but you I think piss that on was, our friends. I actually think that was... 150% better than um, Black Panther. One of my favourite yeah. movies actually is Moonlight. Every movie on this list was better than Black Panther and every movie not listed on this list was better than Black Panther. And I absolutely love the poster for Moonlight and it used to be my desktop screensaver. It is a really powerful poster, isn't it? It's not that it's just powerful, but it's just like the three actors that they got to play this one character... And I can't remember his name, but that's just me. I can't remember names. I'm really bad at it. But um, the three actors that they got to play this one character look so much... They don't look alike when you see them separately. But the way they did that poster with the graphics, Mm. they've made them look like one person. And they're three kids, they're three people at three different ages. And it's just somewhat perfect. And I love the colours and I love the lighting and I absolutely love that person. I absolutely love that movie. Hey, so, um, uh, today's, we're recording this episode incredibly late. So you will hear this incredibly late audience. Obviously, like, I don't know why I'm saying that to the audience, the audience aren't listening along when they hear this, they'll hear it when they hear it. But basically, um, we've got two episodes, I believe before the end of the year. Am I right in saying that Drew? Yes. I believe so. Yes. So we got the episode on the 23rd and we got the episode on the 30th to go. Yes. Um, yes. One of these next two episodes, we have to do our top 10 ISO films of the year. So that is films that may not necessarily be new films, but films that we watched mm. while in ISO at our own homes and enjoyed them, basically. Oh my God, yes. Okay, yeah. I have a list because I kept watching them on repeat. Yeah, so I've got, I've got my top 10. It's ready to go. Bianca, we need to watch Get yep. Out by the end of the year because that is eligible for that list if you think it's a good film or not. Okay. Because it is eligible. I know we're not really in ISO anymore, but technically New South Wales kind of is in ISO again, so therefore it's now <laughs> counts <laughs> we again. We dipped back in as of today. Exactly. So um, 
Yes, we need to do our top 10 ISO film list. Yep. Again, audience yep. listening at home, if you want to play along these films that may not be new films, but films that you watched for the first time that you've kind of always wanted to watch or just randomly watched because you want to do... Basically, any film that you watched in ISO could be your... And, I, and, and what I want it to be, I don't want it to be your kind of all-time classic favourites. If it's your all-time classic favourite, you would have watched that even if you weren't in lockdown. No, but um, even if even if you saw something, you know, 10, 20 years ago, and then you went and rewatched yeah. it. I mean, if if it's so, example, I have my top ten film list. If I have, if I if it's it's none of the films that were on my top ten film list anyway of all time because that doesn't count. I want films that are newish films to you or all time classics you haven't seen for years that you may then have rediscovered mm. or something like that and come and come across and yeah. watched again. And blew your mind again, kind of thing. That sort of thing. So all I know, of that, I know that was the case for me. There were there were a few where I went, okay, I'm gonna rewatch this because I remember it as a kid, but mm. I remember nothing. Mm. And it's that sort of thing. So all of my my mm. top ten list is comprised of films that I'd never seen before that I saw for the first time while in ISO. Um, but none Just of them were very were, quickly and randomly. Yes. I because we were talking about Santa Claus mm-hmm. a couple days back. I went and watched all three of them in a row. Yes. The other day for yes, um, like just to watch them, and it's really funny watching it and watching each one get a little bit like more modern Disney. Not not yeah, like not just modern Disney, a but little like bit sillier. No no no, like a little bit more like everything's a little too perfect, and it's mm, a little yep. too cheery, and yep. it's a little too clean. Like, the first one you see him walking around in his underpants delivering presents to all these kids. And by the third one, it's like, you know, they've got, like, some goofy reindeer character and uh, Martin Short's hair is all perfectly slicked back. Like, it's just a little too Mm. perfect. Again, it's not scrappy like the first one Again, it's modern Disney to me because the, the original one had things that were really funny kind of not dark humor but just really not appropriate for a kid's film but they got away with it because mm. they knew kids would go straight over a kid's head and it did and as you get mm. older and older and older you kind of get those adult jokes so much more that's why i appreciate pixar films because i loved them as a kid because i loved their cartoon but i love them as adults because i love the adult jokes in them and that's what the santa claus war was whereas i think a lot of modern disney things are too afraid to do that but it's also because, like, well, PG meant something completely different back in the day. PG yeah. literally meant you watch this with your parents because there are things in it that you will not understand. And also, Jesus, it's not yeah. our problem. Your parents are going to explain it to you kind of thing. That's not for us to explain. Your parents can do that. Just watch it with them, thanks. Whether, whereas I'm now so... PG is like, you can probably watch this on your own. You just have yeah. to be a little bit older. Hmm. I'm so glad you went and re well went and watched all three of them like that. Um, funnily enough, the last three days, Marcus and I have watched one a day. So we watched the first one on Friday night. We watched the second one yesterday, and we watched the third one this afternoon. Excellent! Excellent. Well done. Glad to hear that. And he lo- he he absolutely loved all three of them. Good. As any seven year old should. <laughs> but it was as you'd pointed out the other day, Philip, that you were still noticing things you hadn't quite noticed mm. before. And I think I think I spotted a couple of moments in the second one where I'm like, wow, I don't recall this, but I had a good giggle. Mm. <laughs> I also think it's quite sad. Little expressions. I also think it's quite sad that that was um, Peter Boyle's last film role in number really? three. Yes. yes. I he did died so. two months later. Oh, Jesus. Yep. Um, and he's uncredited in the second one. Yeah, really? no, he is uncredited in the second one. Yep, he he's uncredited in the second one. Cause Don't he, know, but he's in all three. They they <laughs> had him there in the second one just because they actually had brought all the original cast back mm-hmm. for the second one, mm. but they didn't have his character in it, so they're like, you just have to stay there and play, play Father Time. If you notice, I don't think he says anything. I think he says one line. Not the one line. If uh, you, that, you can't be two places at once. Yeah. <laughs> Um, about it. Before we get to sick end of the week, then let's really quickly touch on the fact that there is a Nintendo Land coming. 
There's a Nintendo Land coming. Honestly, that could be a whole episode for us, but we'll mm. we'll just we'll cut to the the basics of it right now because I do want to go back and watch the entire video before I do a proper talk on it, and I would love mm. for you guys to watch it as well because I think you'll be as amazed as I was by what mm. I saw. But the creator of Mario took us through a first look at this Nintendo theme park and much in the same way that we were all amazed when we saw the Harry Potter worlds brought to life. This, I, I don't think I could even have imagined how cool this would look, but they have gone ahead and built the world of Mario and Yoshi and Mario Kart and all these wonderful Nintendo games for real. And Mm. it looks like you are walking through a cartoon. That's pretty cool. Cool. It's insane. It's actually insane how good it looks. It's, I I couldn't believe it. And I I was pressed for time. So it's going to be like basically a Disneyland for Mario. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's discuss the greater greater detail um, next time. I think. Uh, yeah, we've got I, one more episode. I, to, I don't to know how else it. to put it into words, but you guys will get it when you see it. <laughs> okay, no worries. Um, but let's get to our sick end of the week. I don't think we. I can't remember if we had a what the quote last yes. week. Honestly, it doesn't matter if you got it, audience. You got it. If not, you didn't. Um, Bianca. Who's our sick Kent of the week? So our sick Kent of the week, and I'm just making sure I got his right. Yep, it's. Jack Dorsey. Um, so he is a Twitter billionaire. He made all of his money off tweets, I'm assuming. Uh, a, about, um, I think he was a founder of Twitter. Um, he gave $15 billion to um, a bunch of mayors across the US Um Basically, no strings attached. He's not asking for it back. He's not asking for them to do anything. He just gave them money so that they can start establishing um, basic income in America. Um, Like, not like shitty income, like for them to uh, fund the pay rises, basically. What's the word I'm looking for? Minimum wage. Um, so yeah, he gave them a massive boost of $15 million from, um, like his personal funds. Um, a couple million, million, sorry. It was 15 million. He's, he is a billionaire. He gave 15 million. 15 million. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's to, yeah, he is helping universal basic income. Um, and it's just so that they can meet their basic needs. Now, in saying that, so that happened, like, two weeks ago, and I was reading recently that, like, FKA Twigs and a couple of other people have, like, seen this and are actually sending money to. So there's a lot of people following him now, and it's all no strings attached. It's all just like, yep, this is the money you need to do it because your government's not going to give it, so you go do you. And I just think that's pretty cool. I think that's excellent. I, I think that's very well done. So I think he deserves sick Kent of the week. I think he's mm. very worthy of that. Um, which makes me remember that I need to go and yep. re-listen to every single one of the who was sick Kent of the uh, week for the year because we need to come up with our sick Kent of the year and I've absolutely not written it down anywhere like I was supposed to. Of course. To. So uh, I'll get on doing that soon. <laughs> Lovely. Alrighty. Well, that brings us to the end of another week, I think. Yeah, where we spoke about almost nothing we were going to speak yeah, about. Exactly. Had a lot of tangents. Tangents, tangents everywhere. We like tangents. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they don't care. And they don't care. Um, yeah. Drew, guess what? Anyway, what? Uh, thank you. That's it. That's what you had to guess. But. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I popped my mic for that. That's yes. fine. Well, thank you, Philip. Thank you, Bianca. Thank, thank you, you Drew. Drew. Thank you, Philip. Thank you, Bianca. Yep, that's good. What a thank yous. Thank, thank yeah. you, Linesman. Thank you, Ball Boys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Alrighty. Well, until next week. <laughs> Although, I mean, it's until a few days from now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we say. Where we will be getting ready for Christmas. Yep. We, we do. What do we say, Bianca? 